Hi, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. How the heck are ya? Um, a little bit of an extra, I, I, I almost want to say bonus um, broadcast, podcast episode. Um, but I uh, just wanted to kind of get in here and get in some of the Ukraine-Russia stuff a little bit early. I feel like I got enough that I can get maybe a couple episodes of content up. So I wanted to kind of roll those out. You know, starting today, it's a little bit of a treat, if you will. Um, let's see, took today off. Uh, this week's been a little bleh. Um, you know, overall things are good, but um, you know, stressing. You know, money's a thing. That's that's life. You know, we're, we're living in inflation, inflated times. Um, little extra news, but I guess what? I think we're up to the highest rate that we've been in like forty years, like seven point nine. Um, so you know, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, Mister Krabs. Um, but, uh, also just internet, I don't know, I've had some blah interaction, uh, interactions, Mm, what a tasty word that I just made up there, interactions, and, uh, you know, it's been kind of getting my goat, you know, I I gotta get out of that funk sometimes, I gotta take some advice and log off, you know, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I like to stay connected all the same, so, you know, it's a little bit of thicker skin, you know, ignoring things that don't really matter, engaging with the things that do, you know, having the right mindset, all that, all that good jazz. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, let's see. Uh, movie Corner. I did uh, treat myself today uh, and I went to go see uh, the Batman. It was very good. Um, I would say eight out of ten. Ten being great, you know, one being trash. So eight it was really good. Um no spoilers or anything like that. No worries. Um, but no, I, I did enjoy it. Um, it definitely was like hella detective Batman, which was really, really cool. Um, Colin Farrell like acted his ass off. Like, I mean, I literally did not recognize him. Like he, he was on his Christian Bale shit. <laughs> um, like, I mean, I just, I just remember staring at him. I'm like, this does not look like Colin Farrell. Like, he, there's nothing here that I'm like, it's giving Colin Farrell. And it's just, he's another person. He is the Penguin. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, Food Corner. <clears throat> Let's see. I had a stuffed crust pizza and uh, fries. Uh, the pizza was from Pizza Hut, so it's not, it's not really memorable. The fries were from McDonald's. Um... Other than that, nothing too wild, nothing too crazy. But, I, you know, I'd be eating. I'd be grubbing. Um, but, yeah, let's get into some new stuff. Um, let's see. Most of my headlines that I have are not, like, on the battlefield today. Um, kind of like a little bit of orbital news, but stuff I wanted to talk about all the same. Um, let's see. I got this from The Hill. Um, gosh, got to stop with that um shit. Idioms are crazy. Biden says U.S. allies to revoke most favored nations trade status trade status for Russia. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of I think this dropped today, uh, but essentially the United States and um, uh, the group of seven the G seven nations are going to revoke the most favored nation status uh, for Russia. So for pretty much. It's just another one of the pylons that are kind of happening with the sanctions. Um, essentially, this is going to allow more tariffs on Russian goods. Um, so it's just going to make it's just going to make it harder for Russia to move and sell their stuff. 
um, kind of an add-on to this that we will be getting to. Maybe I'll just bump that up now. Uh, the Russian oil ban. Uh, we also instituted that. Um, it was kind of said like, hey, we're not going to touch the oil and gas sector of Russia. We're still going to be interacting with them. But I guess we decided that, you know, hey, things are getting rough. It's not getting better. They're not laying off. So we have to increase the sanctions. And they, they did it right away. Um, so essentially the the Congress like came together, very bipartisan. Um, and <clears throat> not only did they do a Russian oil ban, they also, I believe, approved uh, some money um, for more aid to Ukraine. Um, so that's a big deal. A little bit of double whammy there. Um, though at the same time, you know, I say big deal in terms of this, the oil shit, it, it isn't, it isn't like for us, it's 8% of what we get from our oil. I think a lot of what we get is from Saudi Arabia. So, you know, this isn't really going to hurt us in that regard in that way. But at the same time, it's also then not going to hurt Russia that much. Like it makes their oil potentially cheaper. Um, this is some extra stuff I got from AP News. Um, let's see what the title they think they had on here. Uh-huh. Explainer. Uh, what does a U.S. oil? What does a U.S. ban on Russian oil accomplish? Um, so essentially, they were kind of going on to say, like, you know, us banning it also de- further deflates it and makes it, you know, cheaper. So there's a little bit of like, you know, cutting on their cost there. So therefore, they're not going to make as much. Um, But Europe is very reliant on Russian oil and gas. Um, Germany was able to say, hey, we won't go further along with the Nord Stream 2. But they can't really go further than that right now. Um, They're working on doing things, I think. I think other European nations are as well. But they're all kind of on the teat, if you will. So they can't really pull off like as easily as we can. So, you know, this is something that's hurting Russia more. You know, it's doing more damage. But at the same time, it's also hurting us, too. Um, I'm sure you've seen at the pump, you know, I think the average gas in, in the U.S. right now is 430, actually in rising or like, you know, so about 430. Here in Cincinnati, where I live, it is about 408, 409. Um, so, I mean, it's rough. It, it's, it's definitely one of those situations where you go, man, like, I can't, like, I mean, me personally, I rarely fill my tank. I kind of just live, I'm a half gallon Andy, if you will. Um, so I'm definitely kind of getting back into that nature, really sticking to it. Like, hey, I'm going to put $10 of gas in here and I'm going to make it for a few days. And if I need more, I'm going to get a little more. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a bleed on both ends. It sucks. Um, uh, And I don't know. I mean, these sanctions, I'm really on the fence about um, as well. Let's add on to the stack. Let's make it a combo meal, if you will. That's a segue, babies. Um, McDonald's is also pulling out um, as well as Starbucks, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, um, Yum, and some other brands. And I'm going to try to get into real quick in another article I got from CNN. Um, McDonald's, Starbucks, and Coca-Cola leave Russia. Um, now McDonald's, I guess what, 30 years ago, I think it was around the end of Soviet era, Russia, whatever. I'm not sure exactly on the details, but I did see a little 
picture of people lined up at the first opening day of McDonald's, and it was like a huge deal. And I mean, I'm obviously jaded as an American, you know, Westerner. Like, you know, I, I eat McDonald's every day, you know. I mean, there was a time where I definitely did. I ate it a lot still. Um, but it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's McDonald's. But um, someone told me that that someone and people were in Russia were standing in line for like hours to get a meal because it was just such a crazy big deal. And they wanted to try a Big Mac or whatever. Um so them leaving the com- or them leaving the country is a, is obviously a big move. It's a big deal. Um, also, it's a big deal too. Something that um, kind of a little bit of detail that I didn't really think about. Um, like globally, most of the McDonald's are operated by franchise operators. So they're they're people or like smaller groups who say, "Hey, we're going to buy McDonald's. We're going to start one up or whatever, and we're going to you know employ the staff, and you know we get the products from McDonald's, but like." It's our building. It's our stuff, I think. More or less how that, that goes as a franchise operator. But in Russia, I think 84% of their locations are operated by the company itself. Um, so them pulling out is a really big deal. Um, let's see. There is there's a quote here. Um, in Russia, we employ 62,000 people who have poured their heart and soul into our McDonald's brand to serve their, to serve their communities. We work with hundreds of local Russian suppliers and partners who produce the food for our menu and support our brand. Um, and we serve millions of Russian customers each day who count on McDonald's. In the 30 plus years that McDonald's has operated in Russia, we've become essential. We've become an essential part of the 850 communities uh, in which we operate. At the same time, our values mean we cannot ignore the needless human suffering unfolding in Ukraine. Um, this was Kempinski. Um, I guess he's like a spokesperson, a spokesperson for McDonald's. Um, so, you know, essentially that's a big statement. And um, I think people have been imploring McDonald's and these other companies to say, hey, you got to do something. You got to get out of there. Um, and that's a big reason why a lot of companies have been pulling out. Um, I didn't mention it when we were talking about the Russian oil, but Shell has pulled out. Uh, BP has as well. I think Exxon. So, I mean, a lot of places are just saying, hey, this is too hot. Like, And plus, not to mention, it's just a bad look. Like, We don't want to support this. We aren't okay with this, this, this war, um, this conflict, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're not doing business with uh, Russia. So, you know, it's a big deal. Um, also, too, in terms of sanctions, um, I know I'm kind of doing the thing where I get caught in the mix here. and I'm just kind of just firing off. Uh, a little bit of an update. Uh, Roman Abramovich uh, did get a sanction from UK. Um, they wound up clapping up. My, the boy. I don't want to say our boy, but, you know, I did cover him. So, I, I don't know. I get a little bit, like, attached to the story. Um but I mean, I think he did kind of do these things to kind of get ahead of the situation, and um, you know, still all the same, he just kind of couldn't get ahead of it. A lot of oligarchs are just getting their their card punched in the situation, um, and they're not really able to then operate, you know, with their money. But I mean, I'm sure they're rich; they're going to have their ways. You know, when you're rich, you're never really struggling. You just find a way. It, it's the poor people who get hurt in these things. Um, which I'm, you know, hopefully going to try to get to my little sum up of these this part. But um, let's see. Danone, I think, was one I really wanted to cover because it's um, they do silk milk alternatives 
Activia, Oikos Yogurt, Baby Formula, and more. Um, and I think they said they're still going to operate their essential things. Like, um, let's see. They have a quote. Um, they want to maintain our production and distribution of fresh dairy products and infant nutrition to still meet the essential food needs of the local population. Um, Unilever, which I believe also is like, like Axe, um, you know, hygiene stuff, um, I guess as well as food here. Um, they said, we will continue to supply our everyday essential food and hygiene products made in Russia to the people in the country. Um, but they also added that we will keep this under close review. Um, even KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and that's Yum. That's like Yum Brands. Um, and Habit Grill, I've never heard of them. But um, they are also pulling out. Um, and they have a 1,000 KFC restaurants and 50 pizza pizza locations in the country. So there's no more stuffed crust for Russia. That's, you know, that's a tier. Um, Putin, that's on you, buddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, with the sanctions and stuff, it, it sucks because it's one of those things where I don't really feel like it hurts the, the oligarchs. It doesn't really put the pressure on them to say, Hey, Putin, you got to do something, man. And even if it did, it's not going to really change the situation. Like the die is pretty much cast at this point. The thing with the sanctions, it's almost like when you bring it's it's just like in the situation if you're bringing out a gun to a war. I mean, that's why I think Russia really wanted to try to like sway this as like it's an economic declaration of war because you're bringing your bigger guns out with the sanctions. And this is a classic U.S. move where it's like, hey, you know, we don't like what you're doing. We disagree. We're just going to take we're just going to not fuck with you. And we're going to tell the world to not fuck with you. And like all this shit winds up compounding. I, I mean, I'm definitely getting on a tangent here, but um, I've been getting back into blowback, and the, that's a podcast I listen to, uh, covers a lot of political history and stuff. They're, they did a great season on Cuba, um, and I know that's like a hot-button issue, talking about communism and all that stuff. Is Fidel Castro good or bad? They really get into it and cover how these things happened, and I'm still getting into it, still getting through it. But um, it's definitely one of those things where it just kind of goes to show we didn't like the way uh, we thought things were going to go in Cuba. And also our financial, you know, interests were at stake, quote unquote. We were going to take it on the chin or take a little bit of a haircut in terms of the sugar or whatever and the land that we wanted to take from them and control from them. And essentially, because Fidel was more liberal, we said, oh, that's you're trying to be a communist. No way, buddy. And like we immediately more or less just started sanctioning them. And we do that to a bunch of other countries. Um, and in a weird twist of fate, we have to now start potentially thinking like, hey, Venezuela, uh, a place that's a lot of, you know, crazy shits going on. I, I don't know the name of the, um, I believe, dictator in power right now. I'm in, I want to say Menudo. But that's wrong. I know it just starts with an M. But essentially, you know, we've had him and the country of Venezuela under sanctions. They were a big oil provider at one point. Uh, I think they were shipping up to like $3 billion a day, which is a big number. Um, but we crippled them. And now the best they can do now is 800000 And kind of what I mentioned with the pipeline stuff um, in a previous episode like people just want us to like just crank up the Keystone pipeline, uh, Keystone uh, pipeline, and just fix all this shit. That's just not how this works. Like these things need constant repair and maintenance. And if that's not happening, then guess what? It's in a state of disrepair, and it's going to take time to fix. Um, 
And Venezuela is in a whole state of that, and they don't have the means to fix that stuff because people have left because of the sanctions imposed and also just the the, the strife and unrest in their country. Uh, that's a whole other episode. But we're doing the kind of shit that you kind of just can't come back from. There's no way that even if Russia pulled out right the fuck now that it's like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. Thanks. Now we can like, you know, take these sanctions off. Like maybe to a point some would be lifted, but the damage is already set in, you know? So this whole Russia fortress strategy, I do think will hold up and withstand these sanctions. I think they're going to do fine. I think the oil shit is going to kind of almost like three card Monty shuffle around. We're like, okay, we'll buy oil from them. They'll sell their oil to those people. We'll buy oil. And it's just like a whole changing of hands. Um, so, I mean, we'll see there. Um, let's see. A couple of other things I wanted to cover that popped up. Uh, there is <clears throat> a story I got from total pro sports. Um, it's also kind of made the headlines in other places, but this is just where I got it from. Uh, Brittany Grenier's wife speaks out as uh, WNBA superstars facing 10 years in Russian prison. Uh, so this is a story that popped up over the week. Um, but um, Brittany, Grenier, Brittany Grenier's wife, Sherelle, uh, spoke out. Um, and, you know, it was in an Instagram post. Let's see if I can read it. Uh, thank you to everyone who has reached out to me regarding my wife's safe return from Russia. Your prayers and support are greatly appreciated. I love my wife wholeheartedly. So this message comes during one of the weakest moments of my life. I understand that many of you have grown to love BG over the years and have concerns and want details. Please honor our privacy as we continue to work on getting my wife home safely. Thank you. Uh, essentially, um, this has kind of happened and been developing, but we didn't know about it until it was reported, like, by Russia, like, state, whatever. Um, essentially, th- she was in, um, like, the airport or something like that. She had a um, cannabis on her, I believe, kind of like um, like the liquid, like the vape kind of stuff. Uh, essentially, she was um, busted on that, and they have a really strict cannabis policy, um, so essentially she's looking at like five to 10 years in a Russian prison for just having that in her bag. Um, and I know some people are like, oh, well, she's a professional superstar. What's she doing in Russia playing, you know, on an international sports team? Uh, but essentially she makes a lot more money, significantly more money playing abroad than she does playing at home, um, you know, in the U.S. So it is a it's a, it's a situation that she's stuck with being a career you know basketball player uh she's one of the best i believe in the league um so this is definitely a big deal um i believe that you know talks are being made now to try to like look at the situation deal with the situation get her back home um hopefully we'll be able to keep you posted on that but maybe potentially um this is maybe a little bit of speculative for me but i picked this up um, kind of like through the grapevine, but got the article from CNN Politics. Uh, Russian American charged with acting as a legal Russian agent in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> so a dual citizen uh, by the name of Elena Branson has been charged uh, Tuesday with acting and conspiring to act in the U.S. illegally as an agent of the Russian government. Um 
willfully failing to register under Foreign Agents Registration Act, conspiring to commit visa fraud and making false statements to the FBI, according to a criminal complaint. Um, So I don't think she's actually been arrested or turned herself in, but she has been charged. I'm not sure. Uh, Please feel free to correct me if I got that wrong. Um, But essentially, you know, they're trying to get her for trying to spread Russian propaganda. Uh, She's started some campaigns in America, like, I love Russia. And it's, like, aimed to, like, um, target, like, American youth and, I guess, get them stoked about Russia, which is kind of weird. But, I mean, I guess that's something you could do. But, obviously, that's not that's not the vibe right now. <laughs> and, um, I don't know, it, it does kind of signal to me um, that things are kind of amping up in the whole politic situation where it's like, look. And and I didn't mention this with the once again a lot we're talking a lot Russian gas is really important it's kind of the key motif here, but um, in Venezuela, like I said, we had had sanctions and all this kind of stuff. They did a Good Samaritan thing, humanitarian thing, and they released some prisoners, um, and that was just kind of like a measure of good faith, I guess, because they really want us to work with them. They really want us to lift some of these sanctions and stuff. So essentially, that kind of vibe might be playing out here with Brittany Grenier and then potentially with Elena Branson. Uh, Branson, I believe, is someone who has even like potential contact with Putin. But like, it's just one of those situations where it's like, hey, if you're coming for ours and taking ours, and we're going to come for yours type shit. So, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but definitely something I wanted to cover because it was interesting. Um, also, something kind of dark and in my opinion a little dystopian but i definitely wanted to cover it let's see internet's playing some games with me give me a sec give me a sec give me a sec um actually this is a good time for me to take a little little brr brr Okay, thanks for being with me. Ooh, ooh, give me a second. Trains are chugging. Um, I got this from <coughs> Reuters. Um, Facebook allows war posts urging violence against Russian invaders. So, that's a mouthful of a sentence, right? Um, essentially, Meta and I got this. This uh, got this from Reuters, March tenth. But meta platforms will allow Facebook and Instagram users in some countries to call for violence against Russian and Russian soldiers in context of the Ukraine invasion, according to eternal emails, internal emails uh, seen by Reuters on Thursday in a temporary change to its hate speech policy. So essentially, this goes up as high as you can call for threats against Vladimir Putin, against um the Belarusian uh, president, Alexander Lukashenko, which I guess we are acknowledging him as president. I don't believe that was actually confirmed or not, but whatever. I'm being petty in that way. But um, but it even goes as far as, like, you can, like, say, hey, like, there are Russian soldiers here. We should go fuck them up, like, or whatever. Like, as long as you're not targeting actual normal civilians and you're not targeting prisoners of war— then it, you get the green light. 
And to me, I read that, and maybe this is me just taking it too far, my little liberal blue heart, but, like, that feels like a purge situation. That's really crazy. I mean, if this was rewound back into, you know, the 1950s or whatever, this wouldn't be a crazy concept. Like, it would definitely be being employed, but it's just crazy to see it happen real time in your timeline right now. Like, it's it's literally Facebook is like, yeah, we got to do it. We got to just let them do it. Like, <laughs> you can you can send the post. Like, So I, I don't think this is anywhere beyond Facebook or Instagram. I haven't seen anything like this from, like, Twitter. Um, but, wow, it was just – it was definitely an eye-opener. So um, I wanted to put that out there because, um, yeah. <laughs> um and then also there was an exchange, uh, potential exchange talks, um, about some fighter jets um, that were, you know, potentially going to go to Ukraine. I believe they're like MiG nineteens or MiG twenty nines. Yeah, MiG twenty nine fighter jets. Um, they're kind of specific because um, Ukrainian or Zelensky has asked for them because. Um, the Ukrainian fighters are trained on these kind of fighter jets. They're like Soviet era. Um, so they know how to use them. Um, and they were asking for them. And they're like, hey, can we have them? We need them in the effort. Please. Um, it would help us defend the skies. Um, it was definitely something that was kind of like, oh, okay, that sounds like a cra- like that sounds like a crackerjack idea. And um, but then Poland was like, oh, yeah, bet. We'll totally make that happen. And we're like, oh, shit, like, now? And Poland's like, yeah, no, we have them, but we want to send them to your air base in Germany, and then they'll be yours to handle because we don't want to actually be the ones to give them to the Ukrainians because we're on the border, and, like, Putin has already said that would be an act of war if we did that, and, like, we don't really want to start nothing. But you can do it. We'll send them to your airbase. Nah, no problem. And, like, kind of the, the conversation point was, well, like, okay, we'll do that. And it's like, oh, yeah, you also have to give us jets to replace, like, make us whole because, like, we're giving you these jets. So, like, we need jets back. And they're like, oh, okay, but we also would have to paint them. We'd have to take all the NATO stuff off. Um... Also, it's funny hearing them say that all the steps that they have to do because, like, naturally, we can't actually give them, like, NATO shit, even though we've more or less indirectly funded them with this weaponry anyway. And and it's almost like we're saying this as if, like, they don't under, like, Russia, the Kremlin doesn't, like, read or get news. I don't know. But they're like, uh, okay. And so pretty much, like, U.S. is kind of like, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I believe we sent Kamala Harris out to kind of like hash out some details, but I, it sounds like it's been rejected. Um, at least that's kind of what I'm getting from the, the vibes from the CNN article here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we are definitely going to continue to support. I just don't see us putting any kind of boots in the ground. I'm sure if you've had any ear to this, you've hear, you've seen the, the hashtag close the skies, um, you know, inferring a no-fly zone. I don't think that's going to happen either. NATO has shot that down. We've shot that down. Pretty much anyone who's come to the table talking about it is like, that's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the way things are kind of looking, um, I'll kind of, like, give a little summation of kind of what I've gathered. 
uh, throughout the week. Um, the siege strategy is kind of working from Russia. You know, I think a lot of the reports was like, yeah, Ukraine's doing really well. They're doing really great. They're holding them off. They're doing great. Um, they're blowing up tanks and like, we just got to keep it up. Um, but it, it, it just kind of winds up being like, well, okay, Putin misfired or miscalculated on the idea of just walking in here and taking what he wanted, but he can still outforce, overpower, you know, outlast the situation. So, I mean, I mean, this is just obviously me speculating from here. Um, it's kind of looking like an insurgency type situation. Um, it looked like that 41 mile whatever convoy was like a supply kind of thing. It wasn't necessarily just a bunch of troops, but uh, Putin has asked uh, Syria to potentially send some volunteers. Uh, they have a relationship. It's complicated. I don't know all this stuff. A lot of people are referencing things that have happened there um, in Aleppo. I mean, I need to get my weight up here in this kind of situation. I do not have a political science degree, sadly. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but, um, you know, thoughts, prayers, support, definitely with Ukraine. Um, I definitely, you know, would keep, you know, advising support. You know, you definitely want to give what you can, you know, attention, money, whatever, what have you. But um, just these are just my kind of thoughts on the, you know, the the situation. Um, you know, it is kind of looking like a really kind of deep insurgency might happen if Putin doesn't say, OK, you know, come to terms with me. Because, you know, Zelensky is trying everything like he's talking to anyone and everyone. You know, he's pitching, you know, diplomacy. It's and it's being happened like they're they're talking. There's like several or two two places that are having like you know ceasefire talks and all that kind of stuff and the ceasefire is also a whole other thing it's kind of happening in some places so that they can get humanitarian aid in but it's not happening like in a fluid like well way like it's it's really like hey potentially 30 minutes and then like oh there's fire again um and that's a lot on the russian side even though they'll say oh it's it's not us it's the ukrainian nazis or whatever like it's it's more propaganda, but like things are getting done and aid can't get in. And that sucks because people are dying over that. Um, <clears throat> it sucks to hear stories, you know, about people fighting over food, um, even hearing Russian soldiers who are stuck in situations raiding grocery stores. You know, I mean, shit's nasty. It sucks. Um, but um that's more or less all we got, folks. That's why I don't have a, a lighter note to end on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I got to plug my shit, too, on top of it. I got to be a little dirty little capitalist. Um, little piggy. Um, let's see. I got patreon.com slash Isaiah News. That's the best way to support myself. Um, we also have uh, the Gmail, news one at gmail.com. If you wanted to send me some feedback. Let me know what I fucked up. Let me know what you like, hate, whatever. Um, let's see. We got an Instagram. That's Isaiah News. Um, the Twitter is Isaiah underscore news. And Isaiah News 1, I believe, is the Facebook. Kapow. Pew, 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 pew. So that's how you get parasocial with me if you would like. Um, I hope you have an amazing weekend ahead of you. Um, I hope the vibes are high and tight and nice. Um, and hopefully I see you soon for the more good news. Bye-bye.